Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com We hope you enjoy this message. So this morning, we celebrated Remembrance Sunday and we stood, we had two minutes silence and we thought about it because today is Remembrance Day, isn't it? A lot of you have got your poppies on. And it's Remembrance Day, well, Remembrance I want to think about tonight. The title of what I've brought bringing you tonight is this. Where's your name written? Where's your name written? Now, years ago when I grew up, we lived in a village called Kilburn, which is just down the road, as you all know. And we had a Remembrance Day parade every Remembrance Day. And the, the, um, the band would come. We'd have the guides, scouts, brownies, everybody, parish council. British Legion, and we'd walk to the War Memorial, and we'd have a service at the War Memorial every year. And this still goes on. They've had one this afternoon, but these days, because of traffic restrictions, they're not allowed to have a service there. They have to meet there, put the reeds on, and go somewhere else because of the traffic. But in, in, when I was young, this is the sort of thing we had. Mel's got a picture for us here. I don't know why you can see this. This is um, Remembrance Day. Um, I don't know what year this was, probably about 82. The guy there is my dad. And if you look at the other picture, because he's on the parish council, if you look at the next picture, look at this next one's a good one, because there's somebody, no, I think it was on the other one. Sorry, can you go back, Mel, for the other one first? Now, look at that little brownie holding the flag. Who do you think that might be? (laughs) No, it's not me. It's not me. It's Zoe. Uh, if you go to the second one, look at this. This is, this is 1984, and um, there am I, look, with the, with the perm. Can you see there, with the perm? That's the last time I've been a size 14. <laughs> but there you go, that's my mum and dad standing next to me, and this is my middle daughter, Kate, down here in the light coat, turning round. It was a big fight to get the flag there, wasn't it, Zoe? If you got the flag, you'd made it. Thanks, Mel. So, Remembrance Day, and this is what we did when we got to the War Memorial. The guy would come up, and whoever was leading it that year would read out the names of the fallen in the World Wars. And there were many names that were local to our village, Cresswell, Annabel, Elliot, Cooper, were local to our village. And there was always somebody that would know them that would say, that was John's dad, that was Robert's granddad. There was people who were known in our village when I was younger, these days, not so much, because we've moved on so many generations. People have no memory of somebody who's, who's gone before. But the names would be read out, and then the guy who was leading it would say, at the going down of the sun and in the morning, and we would all say, we will remember them. And that's what we did on Remembrance Sunday. That's because we were remembering those who had fought for us, those who'd given the ultimate sacrifice for us. For us. We would pray for peace in our country and we would talk about why we were standing there. The names, people known to us years ago. But you know, I want to ask you this tonight. Where's your name written? 
The first place your name was probably ever written was on your birth certificate. You know, when you're born, you never lose that piece of paper, do you? It's precious all your life. So you get a national insurance number, and then that goes with you till you die. So your name's written somewhere. It's written on that piece of paper. But did you know that God's already written your name down before you were born? Psalm 139, verse 16 says this. Um, Mel's going to be quick to bring it up. Uh, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be, before we were even born. Even before my parents knew I was a boy or girl, because in them days there were no scans, I was going to be Carol or Kenneth. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad they chose Carol. <laughs> God saw me. He saw my unformed body. And before I was born, God knew every cell in my body, the color of my eyes and my hair, my DNA, everything was recorded. God knew my name. It's like his big birthday book. God's book of knowing our name, and our names are in it. It's not a list that, like at the War Memorial, where it's looked at once a year, and read out, and then forgotten till the next year. God remembers every one of us. He remembers all his children. He loves and cherishes each one so much that he keeps a record. Isn't that wonderful? Keeps a record of it. And his desire is for us to know him as, as well as him knowing us. So if you're a Christian here tonight, where's your name written? The Lamb's Book of Life. And if we look at Revelation 21:27, this is the second one I want to bring to you tonight. I'm, like, I'm relying on Mel to put these up because... Uh, it says, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will uh, anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's talking about heaven here. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And your name's automatically written in that book the day you become a Christian, the day you say to Jesus, come and live in my heart, forgive me for all that I've done wrong, make me a new person. That's the day your name gets written in that Book of Life. Just fantastic, isn't it, to know that God has so much in plans for us. So it's important to know because it's a record. God has a record of our salvation, of those redeemed by his son, our saviour. And it means life. When I had Zoe, we hadn't got a name for Zoe because she was going to be Gareth. They were all going to be Gareth. But the third girl, we just hadn't got a name. So you can tell I worked my way through the book, can't you? I got to the Z. But Zoe means life. It's life. And I, I just love the name. It's Greek. It's in the Bible, the word Zoe, in the Greek for life. But to know that we have eternal life, that God has put our name in that book because we've stepped from death into life. Those are dead names on the cenotaph, but we step into life when God puts our name in his book of life. He knows us and he loves us. He knows who we are. He knows all about us. And he loves us intimately, lovingly, eternally, mercifully. A father's heart for his children who put their trust in him. That's what this book's all about. Never mind the who's who book. Eternal life depends on whether our name is in this book. The only place I need to have my name is in that book. I don't need it anywhere else. But God himself has provided a way for me to be with him. And it only requires me to ask Jesus. We used to sing that song years ago. Only by grace will we enter. Only by grace will we stand. I can play that one because it's in 
Yes, see. <laughs> but I want to think about another place that names were written down tonight. And that was just a little intro to start with. But tonight I want us to look at the book of Malachi. Now, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. So it's easy enough to find. There's only four chapters in Malachi. There's a lot of questions, but there's only four chapters. So will you bear with me while we read chapter 3? It doesn't take very long. Um, follow it in your Bibles if you've got it. I'm reading to you from the NIV. And we're going to think about some things from the book of Malachi. Malachi 3. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. He's talking about John the Baptist. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. This is Jesus. His messenger covenant, who you desire, will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? No one. No one can endure the day of Jesus coming in their own strength. Only through God. Only through him. Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a laundress soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and re refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers and perjurers, against those who defraud the laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that well, there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Quite a long reading, and it's, that, it's verse 16 that I want us to think about. A scroll of remembrance. We're thinking about Remembrance Sunday today. 
a scroll of remembrance with names written on it. And we're going we're gonna to look at that now. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Malachi, let me just fill you in a little bit. Um, as I've said, it's the last book in the Old Testament. So it's 400 odd years before Jesus. Malachi was a prophet at the time of Israel's history when they had returned from captivity in Babylon. So maybe it's around the time of Nehemiah. And Malachi foretold the coming of John the Baptist, of Jesus Messiah, and he warns the people basically to get their act together before the Messiah comes. After 70 years in captivity, the returning people, instead of learning from their past negative experiences and uh, returning to the worship and service of God, became immoral and careless which caused a spiritual de decline among the Israelites. Does this sound familiar? 70 years ago, we'd just come out of the Second World War. And during that war, there was a big turning back to God. Our churches were full. The prayer meetings were full. People were praying for this nation. And then over the last 70 years, look where we are now. It's the same for these Israelites, 70 years in in captivity in Babylon, and while you're in captivity, you keep praying, and all you're thinking about is going back to how it was before, going back to some semblance of normality. And then when they got back there, they're not getting it right. Malachi carried a heavy burden for the spiritual problems of Israel, who disregarded their loving God. Now, these are the ways that they had disregarded God. Priests who come from the line of Levi, as we read there, so the Levitical priests who, who uh, did the sacrifices in the temple and, and taught the laws to the people and all, all the rest. It was the priests that he was starting with having, you know, telling them, you're not getting this right. And he says, first of all, the priests are showing arrogance, open content, contempt for the law. They're having a negative influence on the people and they're causing the people to stumble into sin. And you could read that in chapter 2, verse 7, if you're making notes. Then the priests and the laymen are divorcing their wives, wives that they've been married to since their youth, wives that they've had for lots and lots of years who've been faithful to them and stood by them. They've got back out of captivity and decided they're going to divorce them and they're going to get a new model. They're going to get someone you know, a bit younger, a bit prettier, probably one that doesn't nag quite as much, but they're marrying women from outside of the Jewish people. They're marrying people who are worshipping idols. And, and Malachi's going, hang on, chaps, you're the priests, and this is what you're doing. The people are defrauding God by withholding tithes and offerings. Now, if you don't know what a tithe is, I, I once lent the purpose-driven life book to a guy that I used to work for. He wasn't a Christian, but we had some really interesting conversations and challenged him to read a chapter a night and then we'd discuss it the next day. Oh, dear me, we had some really interesting. And he came to work one morning and he said, well, I didn't understand one word of that last night. I said, why? What was it? He said, I can't even say the word. I can't say the word. I thought, this must be really terrible. What have I missed? And he says, it's T-I-T-H-E. What does that say? Tithe. I've never heard that word in my life. Never heard that word. So I said, well, it's a tenth. That's all it means is a tenth. And that is what God is asking you to give back to him, to give back a tenth of your income, 
Whatever you've got, whatever you earn, he's asking you to give back a tenth because that is one of the laws that God had that the people give back a tenth. But they gave it back willingly and wholeheartedly and happily. You know, I once took, um, was speaking to um, Peter's brother, actually, when we were in the charity shop, and we were discussing tithes, and he said, do you know, he said, I can't afford not to tithe because of the blessings that God is pouring into my life. And you'll find that. And if you read that piece about um, tithing in Malachi, that's the one that's most quoted, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Don't hold anything back from God. Bring everything to him because he's going to bless you more than you could even imagine. Well, the people were defrauding God by not giving them, by withholding tithes and offerings. And then for sacrifices, they were bringing animals to be sacrificed. And instead of doing what the law said and bringing a lamb without blemish, um, an animal that was perfect in everybody, they were bringing the lame and the blind they were bringing any sorts of animals. And in fact, um, Nehemiah said to him, uh, he said, you wouldn't offer that to your governor, would you? Would, would, when you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice the lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with your offering? Would he accept you? Neither would God. He's saying they'd moved away from that uh, standard that God had set them. They were doing irreligious practices, denial of God's justice. They were saying well, how we read today. Yet you ask, what have we said? And you've said, it's futile to serve God. They were speaking out against him. So he told the people that, you know, you've got to get, your, you've got to get back online. You've got to get back on track. And it's indifferences, abuses of God's laws and God's people need to be as God's people we are the same thing we need to be continually guarding our heart examining our motives not just going through the motions of worship but worshiping God as he requires not what suits us maybe we need to look at some of the reforms that Malachi wants the people to adopt coming back to God in repentance. Sometimes we can slip into doing things without thinking and it becomes acceptable. But to who? Not to God. Sin is sin. So if we look at these few things tonight and see what God wants us to bring. Now before that, we'll look at a reading from Peter. We'll look at um, 1 Peter 2, 4 to 5. And it says this, as you come to him, God, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. That's us, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are priests. We are priests. We are a holy priesthood. When we know him as our saviour, when we've asked him to be our saviour, when we're walking with him every day, we are the priesthood. And God set that line and said, this is how I want you to behave as priests. He told the Levitical priests in here, this is how God wants you to behave. This is the standard that you, can, that you must live up to. And so often we do exactly the same. We step away from the standard. Well, it'll be all right. It'll do. It'll do. 
instead of giving the best that we can give. Bring our best sacrifice. Bring our best sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise and worship. Bring our best sacrifice. Not just, oh, I don't like this song, I'm going to sit down. But bring our best sacrifice. Come with that heart that wants to worship, that's ready to give praise to God for all that he's done for us. Bring our best sacrifice of praise into the house. In everything that we do, bring the best. Stay faithful to each other. Stay, they divorced those wives. I'm not saying that you should go out and look for a younger model, but we so often step away by not being faithful to each other, by thinking that the problems you've got, well, they're nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm not interested. Stay faithful to each other. We are a royal priesthood. Let's look out for one another. You're a priest as much as I am. Let's look out for one another. Let's encourage one another and lift one another up and look at that standard of God and say, yes, this is what I'm doing. Lean on me, you know? Stay faithful. Support one another in love. Hold God's word as our highest authority. That's what the priests step up, stepped away from as well. They said, what does it matter? What does it matter? You know? It does matter. Hold God's word as our highest authority above everything else in the world. You know, the world's rules have changed so much, even since the war, haven't they? Even in those 70-odd years, what was acceptable and unacceptable then has become acceptable now. And the world has changed so much. And as Christians, we have got to stick to that, that moral line that God's set in us. This is what God's word said. So often we have to ask ourselves, hang on a minute, is this right? Is this right how I'm, I'm thinking? Is this right what I'm doing? We have to ask ourselves. And if we're not sure, ask somebody else. Ask another priest. Ask another fellow Christian in, in that you know. Can you just go through this with me? Let's just talk about this. Let's see if I'm, you know, is my thinking right on this, on this matter? Ask God first before you start asking everybody else. I will say that. Ask God first because he will show you if you're worried about something, whether it's, you know, godly thing to do, ask God first. The Holy Spirit that lives within you, that came in at salvation, stir up that spirit and ask him. He will teach you because that's one of his jobs is to teach don't defraud God with our tithes. Don't defraud God with our tithes because he's going to bless you. He's going to pour out those blessings in your house. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, said God. He knows each one of you. He knows our circumstances. He knows if you really, really can't afford to do that. He knows and he understands. But if you can, don't hold back. Don't hold back, but give to God what he deserves. And of our time and of our talents, and what we have. Let's give it back to him. Look for Jesus. The Malachi was teaching them, you know, a messenger's coming, and he's going to tell you about the Messiah, and when he's been and told you, then the Messiah's coming. Get excited. Look for Jesus. That's what he's saying to these priests. You've got something to be excited about. You've got to lay the foundations for this messenger coming. Same message for us today. As priests, we should be telling others about Jesus coming again. They looked for that first coming. We're looking for his second coming. And we know he's coming again, don't we? Because his word promises that. He promised, you know, in the same manner you've seen me go, I'm going to come back. Look for his second coming. 
and be excited. But until then, we should remain faithful and watchful of our hearts and actions. So what happened to Malachi's words? Well, if we go back to that verse 16, he's told them all this. He spends the first two and a half chapters saying, you're getting this wrong, you're getting this wrong, you're not doing this, you're not. And in Malachi, there are 23 questions I've counted. Read it yourself, there's only four chapters. God asks questions or, or, or they ask questions. Some of them are rhetorical questions, they're just to make you think. But read the questions that, that, that he's asked. So when Malachi's told the priests all this, you're getting this wrong, you're getting this wrong. Then it says in verse 16, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. You know, so often we go away with an opinion of something that it ought to be done this way. I think it's done this way. And we get that into our brain, don't we? And we can't see any other way of going forward with it. And I'm just as bad. You say, oh, we've always done it this way. It will continue to be this way. Let's not change anything. But sometimes we've got to talk with each other and we've got to talk with each other in God and say, what's the way you want this doing, Lord? And these men talked with each other. And they obviously realized the error of their ways because it said later on, a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Who feared the Lord and honored his name. And their names went on this scroll of remembrance in heaven. How wonderful is that? See, they were already priests but they'd stepped away from that, that line. They'd stepped away from God's standards. They were already priests, but they weren't doing the full job. They weren't doing the job properly. And so often we're like that. Yeah, we're Christians. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But by our actions, by what we do, what we think, how we live, we can soon be stepping away from God's standards. But this scroll of remembrance brought them back to that turning point. They talked to each other. They talked to God, and these men who feared the Lord and honored his name, because that's what mattered. They feared the Lord and honored his name. That was the basis that they got to start again on. Those who decided to follow God, to bring their best and walk in his laws. That was the turning point, bringing him the true worship, the tithes, and the offerings he deserves. The scroll of remembrance was a turning point for them, a realization that they were wrong. Sometimes we need to stop. Sometimes we need a scroll or a notebook or something to write things down on and think, you know, actually, I've got this wrong. A journal entry, a diary can be a turning point for us. We can write it down and think, well, actually, I want to change my thinking on that. I'm going to change my thinking and turn around and go another way on that because I've been thinking. And you know, when God's in it, you will know because the peace you get from doing that is so great. All that anguish, all that turmoil will dissolve. And these men were the same. They feared and honored his name. They were willing to change what they were doing, what they were thinking, so that they could get back to God. From time to time in our lives, something needs to remind us, and, and they started that, they, this talks about a scroll, but for us, it might just be turning a new page. It might just be, you know, tomorrow's a new day, I'm going to change things. It might be as easy as that. 
You might have been a Christian for a short time or a very long time. Sometimes it's the familiarity with things that we do that makes us set in our ways. Like the priest, we want things to suit our needs. Serving becomes a chore. Worship becomes tedious. The word that's given doesn't touch us. But God says this in verse 6. He says, return to me and I will return to you. You know, our God isn't just a God of second and third and fourth and fifth chances. He's a God of hundreds of chances. He forgives. He forgives. His word says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a daily thing. We can come to God daily and confess our sin. I took a house group on um, Wednesday at my friend's house in Kilburn, and one of the ladies there said, said to me, they were, we talk about different things, and she said, do you know, I bet God gets fed up with me sometimes because I get it wrong so much of the time, and I'm constantly going back to him. I'm saying I'm sorry when I get it. I said, no, that's brilliant. That is exactly what God wants you to do, and he's growing you day by day, day by day. She'd been a Christian for a lot of years, but she's not really grasp that faith she's not really um walking with the lord day by day but she's getting there she's getting there and she she said you know it must get fed up with me no he doesn't you're his child if your child does something wrong you don't smack them every time you build them up and you you know they're not going to do it as much next time but it's a, a, a child but the father never stops loving that child no matter what they've done and god's like that with us he never stops loving us no matter how much we step out of line, he's still there to love us and to pick us up and help us on our way. So God says this, return to me and I will return to you. Praise God for these men who feared the Lord and talked to each other. Now, what did they say to each other? doesn't exactly tell us, does it? But I, I bet they didn't come with a list of complaints. I bet they didn't gossip about everybody else in the temple. I bet they came together to talk about God. They came together to talk about God. And too often our conversation doesn't do that. We get in there and we talk about everything except God, Jesus. Um, another lady that I visit in Kilburn when I go down there, she's well into her 80s now. And all I do when I go to her house, we talk about Jesus. And she's, she doesn't want to know anything else. We just go in and she's housebound. She can't go out now. So she watches God TV a lot of the time. And we'll have great discussions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And it's lovely because, you know, we need to know more about our saviour. And to say that she's in her late 80s and she can't go out, she's so on fire for God. And she's saying, tell me some of the things you want me to pray for and I'll pray into that. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful what we can do in those circumstances. We talk about Jesus. We don't talk about much else, but we talk about Jesus. Never be too big to say, to say I'm sorry. Two words, but they can change everything. Never be too big to say, I'm sorry. These priests realized that what they were doing wasn't right. What they were doing wasn't within God's standard, but they changed. They got together and they talked and they changed. And we can do exactly the same. God is so patient with us, so loving, so willing to forgive. And then <laughs> these verses really thrill me because then after that, um, God says this, on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. Now, in the old King James Version, it used to say, jewels, they will be my jewels. Where jewels? Now then, if you've got, we used to sing a chorus in Sunday school, ancient one, 
when he cometh, when he cometh to make up his jewels, all his jewels, precious jewels, his loved and his own. Do any of you know that one? Oh, yes, you see? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And I used to think then, jewels, I don't really get this. I don't get this. But, you know, if I'd got a necklace made up of real sapphires or, uh, I don't know, diamonds or whatever, I would wear it a lot. I would want people to say, oh, that's a nice necklace. And instead of just plastic beads like I have now. And God says, you are my jewels. He's going to keep you close to him. He's going to treasure you. He's going to do all the things that we would do with those jewels because that's what we are to him. If you don't feel like a jewel tonight, tell yourself, you're a jewel. You're one of God's jewels. And that's just fantastic. When he comes to make up his jewels, and he said, you are my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. I want to be a jewel. So I've completely lost where I am now, but never mind. <laughs> so if there's a modern-day equivalent of having our name written on a scroll of remembrance, it's like the Lamb's Book of Life, isn't it? And we can say this, my name's on this because I overcame, I repented, I turned around, and I feared the Lord, and I honor his name. And that's what those men did. The scroll of remembrance, they overcame the difficulties, they repented, they turned around in fear of the Lord, and they honored his name. You know, God wants a pure bride. Do you know that? Jesus is coming back for a pure bride. Can we be that bride, J28? Can we look at that line that God set and they said, this is his standard, this is his standard, and I'm going to work. And let's work towards that standard this coming, this coming week. So this Remembrance Day could be that new page day for you where we as priests pledge ourselves to each other and to God anew to walk closer, to guard our heart, to encourage one another, to seek to please God, to determine that our speech to each other may be about Jesus, not negative or complaining, but with our thoughts set on him. Colossians 3 says this, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with, God, with Christ in God. Set your heart on things above. Don't worry about all this that's happening around about you. Set your heart on things above. Read his word. Get the word inside you so that you have that standard to work to for God. And that, ask the Holy Spirit to stir up that word in you so that day by day you can be doing his will. So that's the scroll of remembrance today on Remembrance Sunday. I hope you'll read Malachi when you get home. There's only four chapters. It takes half an hour to read. Bless yourselves with it. Thank you.